Right, today's scripture comes from Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse, verses 10 through 24. We're going to read this in the ESV. We want to encourage you to find this. Uh, if you want to grab one of those pew Bibles, uh, that's the ESV. Um, if you have your own Bible or Bible app, you can follow along as well. So again, that's uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 24. Uh, we'll be, be doing an alternate reading. The alternate reading means that um, I'll read the first verse, uh, we'll alternate, and we'll have everyone read the second verse after that all together, and we'll keep going back and forth until the end. Again, it's Ephesians six ten through 24. And please stand as able for the reading of God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word today. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints." And also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts." Peace be to the brothers, and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. It's very exciting. We're dr- this is the end of Ephesians. We've been going through Ephesians uh, pretty much since the beginning of the school year uh, in this sermon series called The Big Story. Next week, we'll be kind of wrapping up. Uh, some of the, the, the different ideas and things and just trying to synthesize, bring those things together. And then after that, we'll be doing um, kind of a mini sermon series uh, right before Christmas. It's like an Advent series uh, called You Are Not Alone. I'm really excited about that because I know in this time of year, I think people can feel really lonely. You know, the, the weather gets colder and people just get more stressed out. And, uh, you, you know, like, like you got to buy all these presents and, you know, people are thinking about their finances. And for those of you in school, you know, start thinking about finals and what am I doing with my life? And there's all this stuff coming at us. And so uh, hopefully that will be a, a very helpful sermon series for us. Um, but today, uh, today's message is called Able to Stand. And I wanted to say that, um, you know, when I picked this, this, uh, 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 this title for this sermon, today. Um, I thought it sounded kind of weak, but the reason why I picked it is because the word stand appears so many times in this final passage that I was like, oh, you can't ignore that, right? But standing just seems so passive, right? It seems so easy, you know? And for most of us, we think of standing as not something, you know, that takes a lot of skill, right? You just stand and you're just like, oh, I'm standing, right? But what about if you were in a hurricane, (laughs) Would you be able to stand? It's kind of tough. This is during Hurricane Irma uh, in Hawaii, probably. Uh, It's kind of funny because actually that that Honda Accord right there, that's like the exact same car I used to have a couple years ago. So I don't think that's my car. I don't think it was ever in Florida. But uh, so this guy, I don't know what he's doing either. Like, looks like he's holding up some kind of like voice recorder or something. I don't know. He's like, let's record the hurricane. You know, let's do it. And he's having a really hard time standing. So Hurricane Irma, uh, the wind gusts were about 130 miles per hour at some point. And they topped out at 160 miles an hour. And so, you know, this guy looks pretty fit. I mean, he's got his gear on. He's got the runner stance and everything. And he is not able to stand. 
right? And so sometimes it's harder to stand than other times, especially when there is something moving against you. You know, for me, uh, a time when it was kind of difficult for me to stand was that when I was in Seoul, Korea. So I don't know, for those of you guys who have been to Korea, uh, if you've taken public transportation, it's kind of like the way to go in Korea. Uh, they have excellent public transportation through buses and, and subways. But, you know, something that I noticed uh, with my friends who were from the United States or who weren't from Korea and who weren't used to public transportation, we had a really hard time standing in the subway and in the trains, right? Like any time the bus would come to a stop, I don't know, some of those Korean bus drivers, they just would like, like, I, I don't think they really understood the concept of brakes. They would just, you know, and then just all of us would be like, whoa, right? Like, and we would just move suddenly, you know? And it was, I was kind of ashamed because I would look over and there would be like a Korean grandmother, you know, not holding on to anything. And she's just like, you know, like we break, everyone else moves and the Korean grandmother is just, so I made it a goal. I was like, you know what? I want to be like that Korean grandmother. So I started not holding on to the bars, you know? And so I would have to, you got to like prepare your stance, right? You have to prepare yourself. If you're like, you know what? I'm going to stand like, like, you know, that grandmother can do it. I can do it. And, and I tried that once and just boom, like I ran into some lady, you know, and just like, like almost assaulted her. I mean, it was just really bad, you know? So I was like, okay, okay, I'm not trained for this. I got to train. And so, you know, whenever the bus would stop, I would like brace myself, you know, and I'd like, like, you know, bend my, my knees and kind of spread out my legs to, you know, uh, diffuse my center of gravity a little bit. And just like whenever we would stop, I'd just be, you know, it's like surfing. It's not easy. It's not easy to stand, especially when there is movement. And this is what we, we have learned in this world is there is movement in this world. Right. And so um, we're going to talk in this passage. It's going to talk about this concept of standing. And it says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. So there's a couple things that we're going to learn in this passage. Uh, one is that we are told to stand, but this standing is not like a very passive standing. Uh, the word in Greek here is the word withstand, uh, and, and, and it's a military term. It's the term that you would use to oppose an enemy force, right? And so here it says to put on the whole armor of God. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen people wear armor at your workplace or wear armor at your school? Probably not. Why? Because we're at peacetime. There's no enemy, right? At least not an enemy we can see that's coming at us, right? So why is Paul telling us to wear armor? He's telling you to wear armor because you have an enemy. Because there's something moving against you. And the idea of standing in this passage is not easy if you understand that we are not standing still. I've been reading this book uh, by Thomas Friedman. It's called uh, Thank You for Being Late. (laughs) And the reason why it's called Thank You for Being Late is that Thomas Friedman says that our society is moving so quickly. If you think about the technological innovations in the last 20 years, I mean, it's just like, like society and technology is moving and it, it's, it's, it's changing at an exponential pace. You guys know math, right? An exponential pace doesn't mean that it's just constant. Like every year, like, oh, it's a little bit different. It's moving so fast. And so Thomas Friedman, he wrote this book because uh, like, like he's a journalist and sometimes people would come for interviews and people would be late. You know, like it was DC and there's lots of traffic. They're like, oh, I'm so sorry I'm late. You know, it's 15 minutes. And he's like, no, thank you for being late. Because that 10, 15 minutes gave me time to catch my breath. That 10, 15 minutes gave me time to, to think, you know? And in this world, just, man, it's just one thing after another, right? We're moving, 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 moving. And it's even worse than that bus in Korea, <laughs> right? That's twisting and turning and going so fast. And it's not easy to stare, right? 
Not only that, but can you imagine that? I, I know this is kind of stupid, but can you imagine on that bus that we just released a wild tiger <laughs> on that bus, right? And the tiger's like running after you. Now it's even harder to stand, right? <laughs> you probably wouldn't want to stand. You'd want to run. It's hard for us to stand when there's an enemy. But here it's talking about withstanding an enemy. Uh, like we just read, put on the whole armor of God. We'll get to that in a moment, what the whole armor of God looks like, that you may be able to withstand against the schemes of the devil. I know sometimes uh, you can hear a passage like this, and our mind goes to very strange places when we think about the devil. You know, you think about, you know, a guy in a red suit, you know, with a pitchfork, pokes you in the butt, you know, or, or he's like on your shoulder, do something bad, you know. Uh, friends, the devil, it is a way of saying the enemy of God. You have an enemy. This is John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. There is a thief. There is an enemy. There is an opponent. That's what Satan means. It means the opponent, the adversary. Satan is coming to destroy you. Not to prosper your life, right? Not to, to, to give you joy. He's coming to steal that joy. He's coming to steal your faith. He's coming to steal your peace, right? And so this idea of needing to wear armor means that we understand that we have an enemy. I think in this day and age, we don't understand this. You know, we, we live in this very scientific age, and so we're like, oh, come on. Pastor Steve, that's like old superstitions, you know? People used to talk about devils and spirits and demons, and and they just didn't know what they were talking about. So this is what I think, brothers and sisters. For many of us, as Christians, we are like people stepping into a war completely naked. (laughs) We got nothing. Or maybe we're just wearing casual clothes, like it's like vacation, like, hey, what's up, guys? Like, we just show up for life. We have no armor on. We have no armor on. And then the devil comes out. It's like, dude, you're just easy pickings, man. I'm going to come at you with these arrows. I'm going to come at you with the stuff. And brothers and sisters, I think that we have lost the sense of what it means to uh, come equipped, right? You do have an enemy. As the enemy is trying to do stuff to you. So when it talks about Um, Not just the devil, but it says, uh, Paul tries to elaborate on this. He says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. This is very deceptive. This is a bad translation in, in, uh, in this. It uses the word cosmo, which is more like cosmopolitan. It actually means worldly. There's worldly powers. They're not cosmic powers like in the stars, right? It means worldly powers. Over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Again, this is a kind of a bad translation because now you're thinking, again, like the heavens, right? That like like somewhere way out there. When it talks about the heavens in the Bible, it's talking about the air, right? Heavens just means the sky, and when it says heavens, it means there's multiple heavens. So when it's talking about these rulers and authorities, it's not saying it's somewhere out in space, right? Or somewhere in some other dimension. It means they're right here. There's earthly powers. There's stuff in the air around you. It's in the atmosphere, these spirits, right? And this is what you are battling against. Now, brothers and sisters, again, uh, you know, some of you might be thinking like, okay, Pastor Steve, like, like you're just getting a little weird here. Is it? Is it really that weird to believe in spirits? Because this is the thing about spirits. There's all kinds of spirits, right? I think that there are spirits like the spirit of fear. There's the spirit of depression. There's a spirit of anxiety. There's a spirit of scarcity. There's a spirit of death. And these are the kinds of spirits that are oppressing us and trying to destroy us. Do you ever feel like, like you're trying to sleep and you just feel this voice? You hear this voice in your head, just like, Steve, you are so stupid and worthless. Man, you're not going to get that job you're applying to. Man, you're a joke. 
Oh, you think you're going to protect your family? Don't make me laugh. You ever hear voices like that? What do you think that is, brothers and sisters? I don't mean to over-spiritualize everything, but I think in this world we under-spiritualize everything. We have no understanding of what a spirit is. And so I try to demystify this as much as possible to try to explain it like this. You have a spirit. God has a spirit. Everyone has a spirit. Your spirit is your will. It is what leads you. I know I always do this. I'm so so sorry. But the song Oceans, right? What does it say? Spirit, lead me. That's what spirits do. They lead you, right? Can you think about... Sorry, whenever I talk about this, I just get really emotional. It's something that has become a very kind of sore spot for me or just something that really um, I get very emotional about. But can you imagine? Sorry, brothers and sisters, I don't mean to make light of this, but it's real. That there's some people that are moved to kill themselves. How insane that is. Right? That so much of life is about preservation and we're so afraid of death. But there's some people that it's almost like there's something in their spirit that is like, you know what? This isn't worth it. This is so hard. This is so painful. Do it. Do it. Do it. That's not good. Right? We are not up against flesh and blood. And and there's so many things in this world that we have these assumptions that just are not backed up by reality as far as I see it. You know, what people like to think is like you live in a completely neutral world and people are basically good. And so therefore, we can all live in peace and harmony. I see no evidence of that. I see an evidence of a world where we're all afraid of each other. We're so afraid of each other, we stockpile weapons that can destroy this world Hundreds of times over. It's insanity. Brothers and sisters, where do you think that's coming from? Do you think that we just thought that was a good idea? Like, hey, we're neutral people, right? This makes perfect sense. Let's destroy our world hundreds of times over and point the missiles right over there. It's insanity. We are not up against flesh and blood, right? And so the idea of spirits leading us, I I know there's so many people, they'll talk like this. They'll be like, Pastor Steve, you, you know, and I totally get this because I have struggled with anxiety, uh, with panic disorder, with depression, right? And like, like sometimes people will, will say, Pastor Steve, why can't I stop this? Why can't I stop thinking this way? Why can't I stop feeling anxious? Why can't I stop feeling depressed and hopeless? It's because we are are oppressed by spirits. I don't mean like, you know, dark, like lizard looking things or, you know, gargoyles, right? But there's a spirit that is leading you, right? I think it's pretty plain in this world. There are things that we do not understand, but they definitely have power, right? Whatever you want to call it. They have power over you, and we don't have the freedom to just choose. You know what? I'm just going to be happy today. I'm going to be at peace. I'm going to have zero anxiety. We're not able to do that. So we are in a war, brothers and sisters. And if you understand that, if you understand that there is an enemy trying to destroy you, then hopefully you're not going to walk into um, uh, into life, into a battle, just being in casual clothes, right? You need to armor up. You need to get ready, right? So he says, therefore, because you're in a battle, because there are forces of evil trying to destroy you, take up the whole arm, armor of God, there's that word again, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So I, I wanted to illustrate that idea of standing firm again. And so uh, that idea of withstanding, right? Someone's pushing against you. There's a force pushing against you. And you're trying to, to, to withstand that. Now, if the force were really weak, right, like the guy on the right <laughs> doesn't seem to be having a lot of success against the sumo wrestler, you know, if the force is really weak, it's really easy to stand up. But how many of you feel like, uh, let's go back to our hurricane dude, right? How many of you feel more like that every day? Yeah? It's not so easy to stand up in, in this day and age with the, the many spirits that we're warring against, right? And so, you know, if you know you're in a battle, 
and you have to stand against an enemy, you got to be ready. You know, this is still pretty foolish. You know, this guy is not going to make it. Uh, if you guys know where this comes from, an army comes in at the last minute and saves him. Sorry, spoiler alert. But, <laughs> but yeah, we need to withstand against an insurmountable force. And, and this is the thing. This is actually the truth. You are not on your own. When you stand with God, you get the help of God. You cannot stand on your own, right? I know this is like, like really sort of, uh, you know, impressive. You're like, one man stands against an army of thousands. And I, I love this gift. I can just watch this all day. You just kind of gleaming sword, just shing. You know, it's just like so cool, right? Like it just makes you feel so powerful. But in reality, if that army didn't sweep in at the last second, this guy would be dead. Five seconds, he's dead. It's over. You can't do it on your own. You need armor. You need help, right? And God wants to give it to you. And so let's take a, a look here. It says, stand therefore, again, there's that word again, right? We, we had to call it uh, uh, able to stand because that's, that's uh, all over the this, this scripture. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. Let's just stop here. It's interesting why it starts with truth. The belt of truth. I know like some pastors, they go through like all the different clothing and stuff. And they're like, belt is most essential because your pants will fall down. And then you can't fight. And, you know, I don't know about all that stuff. I, I, I don't want to switch the metaphor. But all I know is that Paul picked this first. Right? He talks about this first. That having fastened on the belt of truth. Do you know what one of the sort of titles we give to Satan to the devil. He's the father of lies. The father of lies. When you're in your bed at night and you hear those voices whispered in your ear, those things like, man, you are nothing. You are worthless. Oh, you're a failure. You're a fraud. Why even try? Nobody likes you. You think anyone will ever want to be with you? You think you'll ever amount to anything? Woo! That ain't the spirit of truth, brothers and sisters. That ain't the spirit of God. What does it say, John 10, 10? The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But God has come. I have come. Jesus has come to give you life and life abundantly. So those voices that are meant to destroy you, right, it's coming from the father of lies. I want to just talk about, when we talk about the belt of truth, and when we talk about all of these things, what you will find that's very interesting here is very few things here are practices. Um, I would think that, you know, like if I were Paul, I'd be like, okay, this is what you got to do. You got to pray this amount each day. You got to memorize scripture. You, you got to go to church you got to join a small group. He doesn't do any of that. But what he's talking about is these things that you need to exist in your life. In order to get these things, maybe some of those things, reading scripture and praying and you know joining a small group, maybe those things will help. Right? But there are some things that we need to have in our life, and they are not practices. They are qualities that we need to have. Right? Having the belt of truth, being able to listen to the truth, being able to, uh, 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 being able to discern the truth. Being able to absorb the truth, being able to stand on the truth. These are all things we need. And so, you know, you gotta find ways to fasten on this belt of truth. So it's always around you. So your pants don't fall down, right? But it's always around you. You always wear your belt. Well, I, I don't know, some of you guys don't wear belts, but man, there's many days where like, you know, uh, okay, not many days, but there are some days where I just forget to wear my belt. And it's like, oh, something's off. You know, it should just be something that happens automatically. You know, it's something you always need to have with you. What are the truths that you always carry with you that will protect you from the lies of the enemy? So, brothers and sisters, there's many truths. I mean, there's too many to name. But I want to give you just a few, okay? Just, just a few today. And just throughout the year, I mean, we'll be throwing out more truth at you. But what are the lies that I think we run into um, that we're going to be addressing very directly in our sermon series, You Are Not Alone? It's that lie that you're alone. Man, you, that's, it's just you. 
And so who do you think you are? You're all alone here, right? One of the lies of the enemy is that there is no God. You're just a speck of cosmic dust. The the earth is a speck of cosmic dust floating in this universe, and you're even dustier, right? You're an even smaller, more microscopic, insignificant piece of dust. You're nothing. Woo! Do you believe that? Now, don't get me wrong. You should be humble to know that you're not everything, right? But are you nothing? The idea that you are alone, that there is no God, that there is not a loving creator who made you, who fashioned you, who knew you, who loved you, who knew every hair on your head, as it says in Scripture. God knows how many hairs on your head. Knows every single one, even that weird white one that just won't grow as as long as the others, you know? God knows every hair on your head. And he knows that for all 7 billion people on this planet, it is amazing the kind of love God has for us. But the idea that you are alone, that this universe is a cold, dark place, and there is no love that is animating this world is a lie straight from hell. And it makes us feel so alone in this world. Makes us feel so afraid. The idea that if that is the case, this is another lie that we get told, that what you have to do is fulfill your desires, right? And by fulfilling your desires in this world, you will be happy. It's just, I, I see no evidence of this. You see people living their lives, trying to get lots of stuff, trying to get their dream job, trying to get their dream house, trying to get all this stuff, and then they get it and they're happy for about five minutes. And then they need something else. It's never enough. It's never enough. It's a lie to say that you can get what you need for your soul and for your satisfaction, for your happiness and your joy, and you can get that by getting lots of stuff, by by, by earning lots of money. It's a lie, right? The truth is that we have everything we need, but it is in Christ. I know it's a very self-helpy thing that a lot of people say, like, you're enough, you're enough, right? Brothers and sisters, because of the reality of sin, I don't think that's true. I don't think I'm enough on my own. But in Christ, I am enough. There's a difference, right? In Christ, I am enough. I can have enough. I can be at peace. And so, uh, and then it, it talks about the very next thing is having put on the breastplate of righteousness. I want to pause here too, because I think righteousness is something that's very misunderstood. Um, it, that, that the word righteousness seems to denote that you're like a perfect person, right? Like you're a holy person, you know? And I, I think that the word righteous, sometimes we, we think of it as like somebody who thinks they're better than you. That's not what this is talking about, right? I like to, to uh, uh, translate the word uh, righteousness uh, as um, either goodness or rightness. It's just rightness, Right? Like, like, so think about the idea of everything being right. Have you ever experienced a feeling that everything is right in your world? You don't owe no money, <laughs> right? There's no, there's no uh, uh, person who's coming to get you, right? You're, you're not afraid of any enemy. You're, you're not like, like, like uh, uh, feeling like you lack something. You're super hungry. You're, you're. Uh, uh, desperate for drugs or for a high or some kind of fix. Um, you're, you're not in uh, disarray in your life. You're not anxious. You're not depressed. You're just, everything is right. Everything is right in this world. It's, it's a word, we, get, we translate this sometimes as, as peace. And, and in scripture, uh, in Hebrew, I think the word that is most closely uh, related to righteousness is a word that we call shalom. It's like everything is right in this world. You are right with God and, and you're not afraid. This is what Dallas Willard calls the state of being in the kingdom of God. You guys remember Psalm 23? You know, the, the, the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord is in control. I shall not want. I lack nothing. You know, I'm chilling there beside the still waters. I'm lying in the green grass because I have enough to eat. I'm not thirsty. I'm I'm not afraid of any enemies. Just everything is right and good in this world. 
this is where God wants us to be, right? You can't just get it on your own. But learning how to be in that place of being in the kingdom of God, that's something, brothers and sisters, I think is worth fighting for. Don't you agree? Don't you think if you could have that, being in that state of rightness in this world? I know for me, there's nothing I would want more, right? And this is the breastplate. This is like the main armor, right? That, that, that righteousness, that rightness with God and with everything. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So again, we see that word peace. Um, and, and so we talk about the gospel. Uh, it, it is the good news, right? The good news of Jesus Christ. But specifically, it's telling us the gospel of peace. Earlier in Ephesians, it talks about peace. It talks about how we were in conflict with other people, and we were in conflict with God. We were enemies of God. But because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, you are no longer his enemy. You're at peace. You got an enemy out there who's trying to destroy you, right? But your enemy is not God. Right? You're at peace because of what Jesus did for you. Some of us, we feel so estranged from God. But being able to have that on your feet, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, if you know this, you can do anything, you can go anywhere, if you know that God is for you, not against you. If you know that God gave Jesus on the cross to die for sin, to eliminate sin, to take away anything that would separate you from God. So God ain't mad at you anymore, right? You don't need to be afraid of other people too. Because of this truth of the good news in Jesus Christ. This is what he's trying to do. He's trying to break down every barrier. This is why in this whole sermon series, we have been talking about this idea of the big story. It's not just an individual story, but it's a big story where we are all meant to be united in Christ because that's what Jesus came to do. To take away all the barriers, take away all the conflict. Right? Do you know that truth? Do you know the good news that Jesus has taken away all hostility from you and the hostility, and he wants you to work for that, uh, to take away the hostility that exists between us and other people, right? In all circumstances, excuse me, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Man, there's just so many things throughout the day. You know, they're like these like flaming darts that come at you. You know, and it may not be one big thing, but it might just be little things that are just chipping away at your armor, right? Just trying to get in between. You know, that's why you would use a dart in war. Because maybe with the big armor, like if someone used a, a boulder, you, you know, you could dodge it. Or, you know, if there's something big, you know, you'd be like, well, hey, I'm covered, right? But with a dart, the dart gets in between those little areas in your life, right? H- have you ever had a, a situation where someone says something about you, or they bring something up, and it's like a little comment. Like, no one else seems to be bothered by the comment, but you, oh man, it sticks in your craw. You know, like, like I don't know, someone talks about your parenting, if you're a parent, and you're just like, mm, like, like it just hits this insecurity within you. You know, or someone talks about like, hey, you know, sometimes they just feel like you're kind of a bad friend. Okay, see ya, and you're just like, mm. And it just bothers you. And it's like, 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 like it affects you like no other. It's like the enemy knows how to get in between that armor, right? And that faith. Faith is not just an intellectual pursuit. It's not just God is real. We, we talked about that. That's important, right? But it's that trust. That trust in knowing that you are God's. Knowing that it's going to be okay, right? That God is with you. That, that things are going to work out because God is with you, right? And to have that faith and trust in those moments when Satan's starting to, you know, get in between the armor. Those things are so important. Having that faith and trust in all circumstances. Maybe there's some things that are going wrong in your life. You know, maybe there's some things where you start to doubt and you start to wonder. Your nervous system just automatically kicks in and you start feeling anxious and worried. And you're like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But that faith, that trust, you know what? There's a loving God. He's seen me through before. He's going to see me through again. I don't need to quake. I don't need to worry, right? That you have that. You have that faith. Um, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit 
the helmet of salvation, I mean, I think salvation can be the idea that, that you are saved, as in, you know, you're going to go to heaven someday when you die. I think that's true. But I think it goes even further than that. Jesus saved you from any, everything. And so if you're in a difficult situation, to know that he is still your savior. He can be your savior in your uh, financial debt. He can be your savior in the situation where, you know, you don't have a job yet. He can be your savior in your loneliness. He can be your savior in your mental illness, right? The helmet of salvation. Jesus is the savior. He can help you. He can be with you. He has power to overcome those things. Do you believe that? And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, right? To knowing the word of God, being able to wield it in the spirit, that truth that's able to cut through the lies, Praying at all times in the Spirit. Again, we see that word, the Spirit. Remember? This idea that there is a power, there is a force that is trying to lead you to godliness. It's trying to lead you where God wants you to be. And being able to pray in all those things uh, uh, with all prayer and supplication. And so, brothers and sisters, you know, I mention all this stuff, and all this stuff is really good. But I want to ask you, and I want you to consider... What is your armor? And how are you wielding it? You know, and, and so in this world, right, we live in a world where there are storm gusts going against us. There is an enemy. And so a sermon like this is all right and good, you know, uh, in and of itself. It's like, okay, that's good, that's good. But how? How are you actually putting on these truths? Right? Because the, the thing is, if we are not just in, um, you know, like, like there's not just an enemy that's flesh and blood that's right in front of you, but the enemy is all around you. The lies are all around you. The spirits all are, all, are all around you. That's what it's saying. Right? That's what Paul is saying. You know, you're in a battle where you are immersed in the lies of the enemy. You are immersed in spirits that are trying to destroy you. And so, friends, I think for many Christians, you know, our faith is just so naked. And what I mean by that is that our faith is based on, like, intellectual things. Like, like when you are 12 years old, you pray to prayer. And then, you know, if you can go to church, great. Every now and then you pick up a Bible. But I talk to so many people. And when you talk to them about spiritual disciplines, hey, what are you doing? You know, like, are, are you, do you actually have spiritual disciplines? And most people I talk to don't. Like, oh, are, are you praying every day? It's like, ah, you know, Pastor Steve, it's, it gets busy, right? Like, it's, it's, it's hard, you know? Like, oh, have you been reading scripture lately? Ah, you, you know, you, you know, Pastor Steve, you know how it is. And that means no. That means you're not doing it, you know? Okay, I read it on Sundays. If I'm a small group leader, I read it real fast. Before I go to small group, that's about it. Could it be that you are walking into a war naked? Could it be you're walking into a war naked? And then people show up to church and they're like, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so stressed out. Oh, man, I'm so anxious. Okay, please don't take this the wrong way. But why are you surprised? Why are you surprised? Because you've been walking around a war with no armor on. So this doesn't mean to say, I know, brothers and sisters, there are many people who preach sermons about, you know, reading the Bible and praying and these things, they won't save you, right? That's true. That's absolutely true. It's not like God's going to be impressed, like, oh, you read so much scripture, now you get to go to heaven. You, you get the, the VIP pass to heaven because you read more scripture than not. It's not about that. It's about being equipped. It's about being soaked in a world of lies, soaked in a world of anxiety, soaked in a world of fear. And you need to equip yourself to stand against that. One of the things that I've been trying to do more and more is, is I try to listen to a lot of uh, praise songs. My favorite, my jam right now is Hillsong United, the People album. Oh, man, I know we were talking about, you know, straight spicy fire earlier. Man, it, it, it's, it's like 
ghost pepper, it's habanero. Oh man, it's just spicy good. It's just goodness, right? It's so good. And like every song on the album is so good. And, and I'll just listen to that, you know, as, as I'm commuting, you know, as I'm going to the grocery store, you know, I'll just listen to that, you know, as I'm walking my dog, you know, and just trying to like soak in those promises of God. You know, there's a song there that we'll probably sing in the You're Not Alone series, but the idea that there is another in the fire standing next to me. There's another in this fire. I'm going through this fire, and the world, the, the spirits are whispering in your ear, you're alone. You're toast. You're going to burn up. You should be afraid. What if you had a different truth that you could cling to? I'm not alone. There is another in the fire standing next to me. There's another in the waters holding back the sea. You know what people used to do with Scripture? Because um, there was this great tradition of meditating on Scripture. Because back in the day, if if you have to imagine the Middle Ages before the, the invention of the printing press... People didn't have their own Bibles. They didn't have a Bible app, right? No one owns a Bible. And so what you would do is you would go to church, and someone would read Scripture, and then people would listen so closely, and they would memorize it. And then they would go home, and they would meditate on it, right? You guys remember Psalm 1? It says, meditate on the law of the Lord day and night, and you will be like a tree that is planted next to the stream. Listening to, to, to praise songs, listening to scripture can be another way of meditating in it. Brothers and sisters, sometimes I, 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 I've thought of reading the Bible as some kind of moral test of my goodness as a Christian. You know, as something to check off, like, oh, I read the Bible, good for me. Like, I'm such a good Christian. It's not about that. It's about being equipped for this battle. It's about being able to cling to these truths. It's changed the way that I read scripture. Now, I'll read scripture much slower now, much more meditatively. You know, all of your Bible apps, if you guys have a Bible app, they have an audio version of the Bible you can just listen to. You can listen to it in your car. You can listen to it when you walk your dog, right? You can listen to it on your way to to school. Because what's the alternative? Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm going to fail this test. 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 Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I'm not going to get a job. I'm not going to get a job. What's the alternative? What truth are you listening to, right? Are you equipped? Are you wearing the armor? Because we have these tools. The last part, and I just want to end with this. The last part is he talks about prayer. And so Paul actually ends this passage by talking about prayer. And he says, and talking about how we can encourage one another. He says, uh, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, meaning praying, for all the saints, for all the fellow Christ followers, and also for me. Pray for me, right? Paul's like, man, I need that prayer. Pray for me that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains. What does that mean? Paul's in jail. This whole letter is a plot twist. He was in jail. He's a prisoner. But he knows that he is not really imprisoned. He knows the big story. He's like, don't come here and here and bust me out. Pray for me. Pray for me. That's what you can do. Do you believe that? Do you believe that that's how you can help your friends? That's how you can help yourself? Pray. Pray. Again, going back to the whole thing, you know, I ask people, how, you know, what are your spiritual practices? Are you praying? Ah, you know, Pastor Steve, I get busy, right? Brothers and sisters, I can think of no other thing that is more important than prayer. I just want to share real quick. A couple of weeks ago, I was going through some stuff. I was, I was it, you know, like. I, It's not like everything in my life is going wrong, but when four or five things go wrong in a row, I start wondering if I'm cursed, right? I start, like, despairing, you know? Like, if I step back and, you know, oh, Thanksgiving, give thanks, you know, count your blessings, I can sort of talk myself out of this, but in that moment, when four or five things go wrong, 
you know, and then there's four or five things that are, are in the future that are not, you know, well determined. You know, there's some stuff going down at church or there's some stuff going on in my personal life or there's some things that are not like quite there. And it was like Monday morning after church a couple weeks ago. And all I wanted to do was sleep and just watch Netflix, just, just veg out all day. That's all I wanted to do. That's what I felt like doing. But I've learned enough to say, you know, if I sit here and veg out, this is what I feel like doing, right? I mean, that's the spirits. The spirits usually, they attack your feelings, right? That's what they attach to. Like, like, you know, all this stuff would be so much easier if you felt like doing all of it. (laughs) But in these moments, right, when you're freaking out, you feel like freaking out. You don't feel like praying. You don't feel like leaning on the promises of God. You've got to fight for that. It's a battle, right? And so I'm sitting there, and I'm like vegging out. I'm going through Netflix. What do I want to watch? I feel so sorry for myself. I just want to take a nap, right? I'm like, no. i got to get myself out of this bed. It's my day off. Oh, I deserve this. It's my day off. You know, I'm just, this is a tough day. You know, I, I deserve to just watch Netflix. It's not about that. It's not about earning anything. God isn't telling me, Steve, like, if you don't get up and pray right now, then you lose your salvation. It's not about that. But I knew the best thing for me was to get out of that bed, go to the park, walk around, listen to Hillsong United, right? You know, spend some time in prayer, spend 20 minutes in prayer. And that whole week, I mean, I I, I don't want to say that it turned around right away. I had to fight for that all week. But I knew what I had to do. It is the most important thing, right? It used to be that I'm like, okay, the most important thing is I need to make myself feel better and solve my problem, right? That's what most of us do, right? But for me, the number one thing for me is I've got to pray. I've got to get into that mindset of the kingdom of God. I need to be in that rightness with God. So I take a walk. I listen to scripture. I, I, I pray it's, it's, it is the way that I fight, right? And I want to encourage you, brothers and sisters, you are not alone. So another thing I do is I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ. I have a list of people. If you want to go on that list, let me know. I'll pray for you. I'm serious. I'll pray for you every day. I will. Now, let me know. It's about 100 people in this room. I do say general prayers for LGM, but if you want to specifically be on the list, come talk to me. I'll pray for you every day. Are you praying for your fellow brothers and sisters? Because this is the thing. You know, can, can we just go back to John Snow for a second? Just, just real quick. Let's go back to John Snow. All right? This is the way even the best Christian, many of us, were like, okay, I got this. I'm going to stand against the enemy. I got this on my own. And he's about to die. <laughs> but Paul knew he wasn't on his own. He's like, yo, can you pray for me? Saints, can you pray for me? Can, can you pray for me that I will be bold? I'm in chains. Can you pray for me? And so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus. So he would send Tychicus around to these other churches to encourage one another. The beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Right? He sent Tychicus out to encourage the brothers and sisters in Christ. We can't do this on our own. That's the big story, brothers and sisters. We have each other. We got to pray for each other. We got to encourage one another. We got to meet together. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. Praise team, can you guys come up? I want us to do two things as we close here. I want us just to take a moment um, on this Thanksgiving Sunday. Um, Let's just take a moment to thank God. And maybe you can affirm a truth. Maybe there's a truth you heard today that you need to be reminded of. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. I'm not alone. 
God, you sent Jesus to die for me. I know I'm not your enemy anymore. Can you just take a moment to just claim that truth? And maybe you can just say it over and over again. And just lean into that truth. Claim that truth in Jesus' name. You are not alone. God's got you. He's going to hold you. He's going to be with you. He's not going to abandon you. Jesus and giving us this community in Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name.